Welcome to the City View Community Church Podcast. Whether you're here for our weekly sermons, leadership chats, or conversations about life, we are stoked that you are here. If you want to know more of our story or want to partner with us, head over to cityviewcc.com. Our prayer today is that you walk away challenged, encouraged, and more passionate about discovering your purpose by knowing God, loving people, and living on mission. Let's jump right in. Sit down. Oh my goodness. I don't know who wrote that song. (laughs) Steve Furtick, the whole crew, right? Um, I love that song. I love you guys. And Annette and I, over the last couple of days, have been kind of thinking, what are we going to talk about? And this isn't going to be so much of a message. This is going to be taking 40 years of ministry. We're trying to put some kind of a bow on it. I don't know what it's going to look like. But we have an outline. (laughs) And hopefully it'll resemble somewhat of what comes out today. So let me pray. Father God, thank you. And amen. Father, that simple word simply means let it be so. So, Father, this morning, let it be so. Amen. As Netters and I share a little bit about our heart and about this amazing community called City View, our amazing leaders, Danny and Lauren, and, but, Father, most importantly, how amazing you are. So we just want to pause in this moment and reflect on who you are and all that you have done and all that you will do as we move forward. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. A lot of people have been asking lately, um, how does it feel uh, to sell a house and to move from a place you've grown up in from the time you were born? I don't know, there are so many different words overwhelmed, uh, surreal, uh, amazing, uh, bittersweet. But when we look back at the 40 years that God has given to us, and actually a tick more than that, and I'm laughing because Danny and Lauren aren't even that old. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Um, We have just seen God writing this amazing story. And there are times in the story as he would write chapters that were chapters that you just go, wow, that was so awesome. And there are chapters that you would go, ooh, that was pretty rough. There are chapters of we had no idea what we were doing. We were just literally jumping off cliffs because we believe that's what God asked us to do. And from the time that Annette and I first laid eyes on each other, it was actually at a camp called Hume Lake. That's why it's such a special place for us. And 
kind of looked at her and she kind of looked at me and it's like, huh. And here we are through amazing, amazing chapters of God writing an amazing, amazing stories. As a pastor, as a minister, as a teacher, what I want to share with you guys just for these few days that we have together now, that was a joke, <laughs> is just a couple nuggets that have been on uh, my heart and our hearts. Um, so if you got your outline, we'll just kind of jump in and we'll start moving forward with that. Uh, this morning, City View, I want to give you, as a teacher, I want to give you some A's, if I can do that. Um, kind of my, my last report card formally, uh, as Danny and Lauren and I were meeting together the other morning for some coffee and scones. Um, this isn't goodbye forever. This isn't like we're never going to see you again. This is just kind of bringing in for a landing years of what we have been doing uh, in a formal way uh, down here before we uh, take off. Uh, the pods are about 70% packed, and Wednesday we... We're going to make our way up to uh, North Idaho, to the Coeur d'Alene, Hayden Lake area, where we'll be homeless for a few weeks, <laughs> waiting for a home to close escrow, and uh, that'll be kind of cool. But on your outline, all A's for City View. How, how do we take what God is doing here and look at the now, but also look at the next? And I share with somebody this morning, Laura, I think it was you, that every now has a next, and every next is not our last. Like, like we never just stop. We never go, okay, I'm going to pull over to the road right now. No, we take pit stops from time to time. We, we catch our breath from time to time, but we don't just stop, and we don't just go, okay, we're all done. So I kind of laughed, you know, a couple weeks ago when it said, you know, retirement. And I go, man, in ministry, I don't even know what that means. Like, what is retirement in ministry? I know one thing it means is we don't have bells in our life anymore at school. And that is a good thing. We are so excited about that. No more 5 a.m.s unless we choose to have a 5 a.m. And actually maybe stay up later than 8.30. Who knows? All kind of possibilities in front of us. So the first thing that uh, on our outline that I want to share, the first A that I want to share with you this morning uh, is simply this. It's agape. It's agape. It's God's unconditional, sacrificial, committed love for you and I. Uh, sometimes it's so easy in a message or in a time like this or even in my classroom, Sadie, you can nod your head and just go, you're right, Dehick. It can just become words. We're just talking about words. We're throwing out words. We just go, okay, it kind of goes in through the ear grate. We hear the words, and then, and then we walk outside, and it's gone. But I want us to pause for a moment with this first A that I want to give you this morning, this word agape, and I want us to pause there, and I want us to live there, and I want us to camp there just for a moment. Because this word is the heart of God for you. He could have used a lot of different words for love in scripture. But this word is a special word that's not used that often. And so whenever that word pops up as we're reading scripture and as we're kind of digging in and studying scripture, we, we should sit up a little straighter and take notice and realize this word agape is a very significant word. Not a word just to be passed by. 
because it reflects, again, the heart of God, his unconditional, sacrificial, committed love for you and me. You know, one of the songs we sang just a little bit earlier, I love the, the, the context of that song, and it said, like, God, how can you even use somebody like me? Like just a normal, ordinary person who went to school out here in East County. While he was in high school at Granite Hills High School, God said, hey, I've got a new direction and a new plan that I want to show you for your life. It's like, here we go. God's agape, unconditional, sacrificial, committed love. If you have your outline this morning, there, there's a verse that, I, I love this verse because I believe that it is the gospel all, all in one little package. Like he just kind of packages, a, as Paul wrote in Romans 5, 8, he says this, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still what? Sinners. We don't even like that word. And God says, look, I'm just going to be straight up with you right now. Like when you were messy, when your life was not all figured out, when you were stepping in it, when you were carrying around that sin bucket, I loved you so much. I agaped you so much that I sent my son, Jesus, not just to live for you, but to die for you, to give his life, to pay a price that you could never, ever, ever pray, pay on your own. so that your sins would be forgiven, absorbed, taken in by my son, Jesus. Not his sins, our sins. The agape love of Jesus. And probably the most famous verse in all of scripture that you see at football games all the time in the end zone. John 3, 16. Would you guys read this out loud with me together from the screen? Ready? Begin. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's that word agape again. For God, what agape? All of us, the whole world so much, even when we were messed up, that he gave. God gave his one and only son, Jesus, so that who? So that everyone who does one thing believes. In fact, that word believe shows up in John's gospel over and over and over and over again. Because John says, look, if there's one thing I want you to get about Jesus is you need to believe you need to trust. You need to put your faith in him. You need to accept who he is into your life. So we believe in him. Now, it's one thing to receive God's love and to say, man, I am so glad that God agapes me. I'm so glad that he loves me unconditionally, sacrificially, committed love. Doesn't change ever, ever, ever. My good days, my bad days. But he doesn't leave it there. He doesn't say, look, I, I just want to agape you. In fact, in your outline, it says this. Jesus was asked a powerful question. What's most important? 
What is the most important thing? There was, a, there was a little hand that went up in the back of the audience as Jesus was teaching. Jesus, I got a question for you. What's your question? Jesus, I've been reading the law. I've been reading the scriptures. At the time, it was the Old Testament only. And Jesus, I want to hear from you, teacher. What is the most important thing? And Jesus could have answered so many different ways. He, he could have easily cited the Ten Commandments, right? The Decalogue, the ten words that God gave us. Thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. In other words, how do we live together in community without killing each other? He could have easily gone down that road. He could have looked at perhaps the other six or seven hundred plus laws that were written in the Old Testament. But Jesus was Jesus. And Jesus is God. So he had a way of taking all of the scriptures, all of the teachings, and put them into these simple words. Summarizing all of the Old Testament teaching. Here's what he says. You must love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And that little hand in the back of the room was like, Jesus, 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 I got a follow-up. I got a follow-up. What is it? Is there anything else? Is there anything else I should write down in my little notepad? And Jesus just simply said, that's it. It's all. It's all there is. And the reason I wanted to circle back to this familiar verse this morning is I think there's times, and I shared this with my classroom over and over again, and, and when we started the gathering, I would share this over and over as well. I think sometimes we complicate what it means to follow Jesus. We, we try to add on all of these layers and all of these rules and all of these, 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 these understandings, and, and we want to dig in a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. We want to get that, oh, that nugget. And they're there. And I do that for a living. But Jesus just talked to people like us. And he says, if there's one thing I want you to do, you agape receivers, is I want you to be agape givers. I want you to love God with everything you've got, heart, soul, mind, strength. Like you give God first place in your life. Don't let anything else take its place. And then number two, now you work on the horizontal. Now you work on loving one another. And I could see as they were taking their notes and as the disciples were following along, they were kind of thinking to themselves like, really, is that it? And Jesus was so determined to make sure they understand that was it. He would say the same thing over and over again. In fact, in the Last Supper, the last time that he would be with his friends at that dinner, in that upper room, with the cross, just hours away the next morning, he said, look, this is how people will know that you are my followers, that you are my disciples, that you are my friends. 
They're going to know by your love for one another. Not by your theology, not by your doctrine, not by, by having scripture perfectly figured out or, or finding that one nugget or being able to take a Bible dart and, and throw it and hit somebody and go, oh, got you. He says, they're going to know by your love for each other. We could stop right here. But the question I want to ask you is this, how is your agape doing? How is your unconditional, sacrificial, committed love doing? And are you receiving it from God? No matter where you're at, no matter the mess, no matter the, the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows and the goods and the bad, have you received his agape love? And have you believed in Jesus? Not sit inside a church, but you've made a decision. I will follow Jesus. I will believe Jesus because he showed me his love by dying on a cross for me. Number two in your outline is simply this. The next day I want to give you is adventure. God-sized adventure. Uh, I love what Paul wrote in Ephesians 2. Again, one of my favorite verses. You guys are just getting my highlight reel today. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece, his poema, his work of art. Everybody go, whoa. <laughs> one more time, whoa. He has created us anew, brand new in Christ Jesus. Like the old's gone, the new is here. So that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. You know, it's so fun that when Jesus moves in, not only to the neighborhood, but into our lives, he goes, I'm gonna make you a brand new person. Like all that old junk, I'm gonna just clear out. But I'm gonna make you a brand new person. I'm gonna do something brand new in your life. And because you're a masterpiece, and I think sometimes we think about a masterpiece and we think, man, we just gaze at a masterpiece. Like we go to a museum and go, whoa, that's awesome. Or we see an incredible sunset, we go, wow. So cool. But God says, no, 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 I, I, you are a masterpiece, but I don't want you just to look in the mirror at yourself and go, hey, hey masterpiece, awesome. <laughs> because he says in the rest of that verse, I love this. He says, look, here's the deal. You've been created brand new in Jesus, a masterpiece, so that you can do what? The good things that he planned for you to do. That's a God-sized adventure. Like, God didn't say, okay, you're following me. In fact, I ask my kids this question all the time, is why I said, can you follow Jesus and not follow Jesus? And they go, what? Like, like I love to ask questions like that, because you're like, ah, oh, it just kind of bums them out a little bit. Like, D. Higgs, stop that. Like, knock it off. But can you follow Jesus and not follow Jesus? And I think that's what Jesus is saying. Like, look, I made you for a reason. I made you as a masterpiece, but I want you to go do those things that I created you to go do. I just look in the mirror. Uh, every year, uh, I started this little thing at our school called D-Teams. And D-Teams is kind of a fun little deal where, where a teacher just grabs a bunch of kids. And, and once a week, we get together for lunch. And, and this year, I kind of knew it might be my last year. So uh, Jesus had his 12. I had my 12, my D-Team guys. And, and I picked 12 guys. And I got to tell you, they were super random. But I knew they had hearts for Jesus. 
some of these guys were getting to merits like every other day. And, and some of the teachers were like, they're on your D team? And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Jesus had his 12, I got my 12, right? My, my D team. Right at the end of the year this year, uh, Zach uh, and his brother Jake, by the way, they've been coming over all week, just putting in crazy hours, helping us out. It's been so fun. But, but Jake and Zach and, and, and a couple of the other guys, they, they brought in one of our students. His name is Kenny. And Kenny was a guy that just, like you love him, but he struggled. And he was one of these guys that was just a little, little, little tick behind. And, and I told my D-team guys early in the year, I said, hey, Kenny is one of our guys, one of our guys that we are just going to agape. We're going to love him. We're going to invite him to sit with us. We're going to hang out with him. We're going to have lunch with him. We're just, we're going to make Kenny feel so loved. He won't even know what to think. Well, later that year, Kenny's life started to fall apart. It, it got very, very messy. Uh, his dad became abusive. Uh, some things were going on at home that were just horrible. So on this day, Zach and Jake and a couple other guys, they bring Kenny into my room. It was a prep period, and Kenny is just bawling. I mean, like, like just sobbing. His face was just a mess. And I was like, whoa, okay, what, what's going on? Kenny couldn't even talk. He was crying. So he just, oh. It's like, Zach, interpret. What, what's happening right now? And Zach goes, Kenny just found out that he's not going to be able to come back to school next year. Because he and his mom are moving out because things are so bad at home and they just aren't going to be able to afford it. And Kenny's like, I just want to be here next year. Like, this school means, you know, and it's just like these friendships, right, that he has created. So our next D-team meeting happened to be the next day, and I looked at my guys, all right, God-sized adventure, and I said, guys, we got a problem. I said, no, we don't. I said, you have a problem. They're looking at me like, what's our problem, d -Hick? I said, we got to figure this thing about Kenny out, and it's up to you to do it. And for the entire lunch period, they're like, what are we supposed to do? Like, what can we do? And, and finally, a couple of guys go, what if we did this? And what if we did that? And all of a sudden, the ball started rolling, right? God showed up in the room. And one of the guys says, look, let's, let's, let's pass around a petition. I went, I don't know if the petition's the right word, but I got you. Like, we're going to collect signatures. Yeah, yeah, we want Kenny to be back. As I said, go, go collect signature. In two days, they had about 150 signatures from classmates. Save Kenny and <laughs> bring Kenny back. It was so awesome. So, so they bring it to my dad. Dehig, what do we do now? I said, I don't know. What do we do now? I said, what if we uh, wrote a cover letter? What if we sent it to Principal Lands? What if we sent a, another copy to the uh, admissions? And like, what do we do, guys? Come on, help me. And they started thinking, and they put together this letter. It was so cool. And they submitted the letter. Two weeks before school's over, I get an email from Sue, our principal. Dear D. Hig and D. Higgs chosen 12 D team, I've got good news. I met with the board. We decided Kenny's coming back. And when I read that to the guys and the following email that came from Kenny's mom, that room got really, really loud with those 12 guys, those 12 knucklehead guys, 
that just were on a God-sized adventure that said, if we could do anything, let's do something. And they did something. And they literally changed the trajectory of one young man's life. Isn't that awesome? Man, I love that kind of stuff. Luke goes on to write in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. As Jesus was about to go home, as Jesus was standing there with his friends, literally before the ascension, Dad, here I come. He shared these words, and Luke wrote these words down. He says, friends, you're going to receive power. You're not going to do this on your own. You're not going to be stuck. You're not going to have to worry about what do we do and how do we do it and, and are we going to be able to do it? He says, no, 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 no. He says, look, I'm going to, just like in the sign, I'm going to go before you and behind you and around you and in you, and I'm there. But you'll receive power when, when the Holy Spirit, when God shows up and comes upon you. Like Jesus was God with us, but the Holy Spirit is God with us. I mean, in us. Like he takes up residence for all who believe. It says, and you will be my witnesses. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Let me be clear. We do not have to pray about the will of God. We just need to do the will of God. And he's made it so clear. Everybody who calls themselves followers of Jesus, he's given us a very clear and simple God-sized adventure mission. Go tell people about me. Invite people to come and know about me. I love that Lauren, every Sunday, gets up here and leads a little prayer and a little chant that says, for the 94, the 94% that don't know Jesus. I'm going to turn up the flame just a little bit more. You guys okay? I think at times we think that if I just know a little bit more about this scripture or know a little bit more about Jesus, 80% of you sitting in the audience right now know more than the early disciples did. And they turned the world upside down. You know why? They just did what Jesus asked them to do. They loved people and they told people about Jesus. And I want you right now, just in the quietness of your heart, I'm not going to even ask you to close your eyes. I just want you to think about this one question right now quietly. Is your life on mission for Jesus? If it is, I want to say thank you. And if you realize maybe that's kind of off a bit right now, I would encourage you. In fact, I would beseech you to get back on mission about telling people about Jesus, inviting people to safe environments like here at City View, to activities, to things that we do. So many people at the gathering, when we started the gathering that didn't know Jesus, the first thing we ever invited them to was a barbecue, a picnic, a bonfire down at the beach. I remember our good friends, Alex and, and, Alex and Eric, we, we met them at the gym at the Y. We were working out. We got to know each other a little bit, and we knew a little bit about each other, not a whole lot. And I said, well, I said hey, we, we got this thing going. We go down to the beach during the summertime on Wednesday nights and have a bonfire and stuff like that. And I knew they loved the beach and they loved surfing. They said, why don't you guys come down one time, bring the girls and all that kind of stuff. Quote, Alex saying, well, 
I guess we should go and find out just how weird these people are. <laughs> and they came. And they never missed a Sunday. Yeah. Or a life group. Or an event. Because of a simple invitation towards Jesus, it changed their life. And this guy got to baptize him. It's not hard. We make it hard. But I want to encourage you to live a God-sized adventure, to live on mission, to do what Jesus asked you and I to do. We started the gathering. I used to joke around and said, you know what? If you cut me, I hope I bleed Jesus. That's it. I just want people to know Jesus. I share with my kids every year. The one thing I want for you as students this year is that you will fall more in love with Jesus like Jesus is in love with you. And then you'll follow Jesus. And that's it. Let's go to number three. Assignment. The next A is assignment. We have 18 summers. Everybody go summer. summer. Love summer. We have 18 summers, and you are the family it factor. Oof. Very intriguing. Here's what I want to share with you guys. Uh, God has put on my heart a couple of years ago, and I remember, in fact, it was 20 years ago where I heard this phrase, 18 summers. In fact, I was speaking up at Hume at the time, and I was like, whoa. There's something there. Now, four or five years ago, I started to actually craft some messages around this idea of 18 summers. And, and it was during this time that God started to poke big time. And when God pokes big time, I've learned that I need to listen. Because if I don't listen, he's going to wake me up every morning at 3 o'clock in the morning until I do listen. And he goes, are you ready to listen? Yes, I'm ready to sleep. Good. It's time to launch 18 summers. Okay, got it. Fall back to sleep. And part of what I realized is that we were so busy doing, right, between school and bells and ministry and church and coaching and all these things that 18 summers literally got pushed over to the side. What is 18 summers? It's super simple. It's a ministry to encourage families to grow their families to love Jesus. That's it. And the reason, and it's so simple, but the reason it's so profound is this. That trend is going down fast right now. And parents are starting to feel more and more desperate right now. And they're kind of scratching their head going, what do we do? And we even see at our school that a lot of parents are just chucking their kids into our school right now because, number one, they don't want to be in those other schools for whatever reason, but they want to be in that school. And, but here's the kind of part that's kind of icky and sticky is this. They realize that it's not happening in their homes. So it's like maybe D. Hig and maybe some of the other teachers, they, they can help kind of right the ship just a little bit with our family because we have these 18 summers. 90% of the time that you will ever spend it with your kids and your family is in those 18 summers. 90% of your time. We met a couple uh, a couple weeks ago when Annette and I were hosting the, the marriage conference up at Hume with our buddies up there. And... Um, Jason, one of the directions, he says, Darren, I want you to meet somebody. And, and he introduced us to some friends. And, and they actually heard me speak about 18 summers about three years prior to that. I was speaking for a, a family camp. And then he said, Darren, I'm going to let them tell the story about 18 summers. It's like, 
what's the story? They said, when you spoke that weekend, it changed the trajectory of our family. And I said, keep talking. They said, we went from unintentional to intentional because we realized we only have this little window of time that God has given us. And we need to do everything we can in that little bit of time that we have to download everything we can into the life of our kids. I mean, our kids didn't stand a chance. They grew up going to Hume. They, they grew up doing ministries. They grew up building houses down in Mexico. They grew up going to bonfires at the beach. They grew up going to other countries just because we wanted to be the hands and feet of Jesus. But as much as we got wrong that Annette and I kind of just were making it up as we went along, I think this is one of the areas that we got a little bit right is that we took the 18 summers that God gave to us and we maximized it. Maximized it. So this word, this A word is really, it's an assignment to all parents and grandparents. Because then you have a legacy lap. You have the next lap to invest and to, to download everything you can about Jesus into their lives, to love them the way Jesus did. Look what David writes in Psalm 78. He says, we will not hide these truths from our children. We're going public. We're going to let them know about God. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. Like to have God-centered conversations in your home, not just conversations of worry or, or life's like rugged right now. That is happening. I get it. But to say, guys, let's just pray. Let's, let's ask God to show up right now. And to show up in the situation that is way bigger than we are. And let's see what God does. That will build your family's faith and trust more than anything else. Like, whoa, did you see what God just did? Even when it was challenging and hard. In Proverbs 22, Samuel writes, he says, Direct your children onto the right paths, and when they are older, they will not leave it. I want you to circle in your outline the word direct because direct is a very intentional word. It's not passive, it's intentional. It's like, I want you to be intentional. I want you to direct your children on the right path towards Jesus, towards God. Because once you start to plant those seeds, even when they take some crazy laps, those seeds will still be in their lives. So be intentional, be direct with your kids. It's kind of amazing that every year I can look out at my, my classroom of kids. In the last couple of years, I've had usually about 160 to 180 kids. And I could usually tell you within about three minutes of having a conversation, I always call kids over, hey, come over to my office. D. Higgins, just your desk. I know, come here. Come. And I could usually find out with a, within about three minutes what the spiritual temperature was like in that family. We had kids that had no idea who God was. And we had other kids, like my D-team kids, that as crazy and as knuckleheady as they were, is that a word, knuckleheady as they were, they had a love for Jesus. And I could tell, and I would let their parents know, thank you for doing a great job with your kids. And it's never too late. And at eighth grade graduations, I always look out at the audience and I said, and by the way, you have four more. 
all the moms start crying and stuff, and it's like, love it, just so cool. But the reality sinks in. We have an assignment, 18 summers to raise our kids. Last thing I want to share is this. You'll probably be hearing from me sometime this fall. I talked to Danny and Lauren again, and as we catch our breath and we start launching the ministry of 18 summers, uh, we hope that many of you will decide to like, hey, let's take a look at what, what Darren's putting out. Let's take a look at what's going on. Let, let's look for ways to encourage them and pray for them and, and help them out as well. So you'll be hearing a little more from me. And then we're back in town. We'll stop in and say, hey, high fives. Number four, netters, come on up here. There's a microphone around here somewhere. Danny's got it. Everybody say hi, netters. <laughs> How many A's you have? Four A's? I know. Five A's? I'm the sixth A. I'm the awkward A. <laughs> I'm really good at that. I bring the awkward well. Um, I love it. I'm just amazed that you can do what you do. I mean, I know that's God speaking through you, but hello, we're in the mumble and stumble stage of moving right now. And literally stumbling around the house, mumbling about, what do you got to do? Just point me in the right direction. We're on autopilot. So... Thank you for letting God use you this morning as you're speaking. Um, I get to talk a little bit about just uh, affirming Danny and Lauren. And here's what I would like to say. First of all, maybe we should look at the verse, and then I can kind of ping off of it a bit. In Hebrews, it says, Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow their example of faith for us to be able to start the gathering and then to merge into Riverview and then to merge into City View has been such a blessing. And how gracious of you guys to allow us to bring whatever we could offer to your congregation and your family here. And you guys need to know it's easy. Here's what I know. None of us want to be, if you're in ministry and you don't want to be in the spotlight, I know I don't, I know you guys don't, so let me put it off to the congregation that you guys, in these two, you have the whole package. They are passionate. They love Jesus. They have so much history in just their story alone. And if you haven't heard their story, you need to because they've come through a lot of heartache and pain to come to this point where they're letting God use them. So I'm, it's easy for me to speak if I go into teaching mode and pretend that you're seven years old, so I'm going to tell you what you need to do. <laughs> and that is the fact that you just need to continue as a family to affirm them in their leadership because what we did learn, I think, from the gathering was that it can be very lonely at the top. People come and go, and you get attached to people, and when they come and go, it hurts. And so just to continue to love on them and affirm them and their in such a younger place of life with their, with their girls and just to come alongside and be a, a support to them, I think um, is very, very important to do as a church family. As you're collecting your next thought uh, okay. real quick. All right. <laughs> if you don't know, um, being a pastor is one of the most stressful jobs, study-wise. I remember when we started the gathering, people would literally come up and they go, what do you do the rest of the week? I'm like, are you kidding? Like, I, I want to hit you right now. Like, like, haven't you read the surveys and the, the research? Like, this is crazy. Like, the stress level and the, I mean, it affects everything from your self-esteem. It affects your family. It affects uh, who you are. 
I mean, it is so like crazy in ministry, right? It's a, and then all people want, right? And I'm just, I'm sharing this with you guys to be honest. and All people want is something for them. Like help me, fix me, talk to me, encourage me. It needs to go this way. They cannot give what they don't have. Okay? And yes, there's times where you're going to have stuff, right? That's what it's all about. That's why God says you need to belong in a family because we are going to share stuff together. But guess what? They're going to have stuff too. And needing a safe place to share that stuff because that's huge. Um, if I could go to this, the... Hebrews 13, 17 verse again, or this, yeah. There's a part of there I really want to emphasize. It says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls and they are accountable to God. Well, that in itself is huge. I mean, that's huge. But here's the part I want you to look at. God, give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Here's what I know. For Danny and Lauren to craft together a, a morning it's not to have you say, wow, what a great job you did on crafting that morning together. Their job in crafting a morning like this together is so that your eyes will be focused on Jesus and worship him. And the morning is designed to not be a distraction, but to have you look at Jesus. So here's what I know. Darren used to always say when people would come to the gathering to visit, he'd always ask, well, tell me one thing that you can take away from the morning or tell me one thing that you'd like. Not because he wanted to know, did I do a good job? But what were the nuggets that God spoke through him to them to take away? So what a simple, practical thing each week when you hear something, maybe it's a, a song that Danny and Sharon are singing, and maybe it's something that Danny said, something that Lauren did in a prayer, just to let them know what that special thing was that helped them, so it helps them know in their planning in the future and how God is using them. That, I think, is huge that you can share those takeaways because you used to do that all the time when people would come to the gathering. And it was kind of cool along that line, and Zeke, Diane, Laura, you guys remember this, that when people used to come and go, oh, that was nice, I was like, mm-mm. I gave a rip about nice. Like, if somebody came and said, man, that was dangerous. <laughs> yeah, now we're talking, right? Or I would get an email, like, like, halfway through the week, like, dude, I'm still, like, just chewing on that, you know? And just, like, God's wrecking me, like, in this area. Like, I've, I've become uncomfortable in this area. And, like, there's something God is telling me or wanting me to do or whatever it is. It's like, now we're talking. Because then I know it's a Holy Spirit moment. And it's really, really cool. Not, it was nice. I was like, man, Jesus died on the cross for nice. I don't think so right? But dangerous and awesome. So, so next week, like after Danny Sweet said, dude, that was dangerous, right? Like just like let him know. I don't even know what you're going to talk about yet, but I'm sure it will be dangerous. It'll be cool. So, yep. So we got one last day because I know we're going to be here all day if we don't. And the last day is simply this. It's aloha uh, from Team Higgy. And sometimes we think of aloha as just being goodbye. And aloha really means, uh, in the Hawaiian culture, a lot of things. It means peace. We, we want peace for you. God's peace. It means love. We want God's agape love for you. It means hello. That we greet new friends. That we invite people in. 
and we see them, and we go up and we get to meet them, and we get to aloha, greet them as they're there. But it also means goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just for now. As we move into our next assignment and our next part of the journey, um, we're doing that with incredible fondness for you, an incredible love for you, because you are who God is going to use to write the next chapters. And Danny and Lauren get to be your cheerleaders and your coaches and, and help lead and guide as God is leading them as a church family. So encourage them, affirm them, love them. Take their kids, say, look, you guys go to Lamb's Players for a night. We got your kids, right? And just be that amazing towards them as they are amazing towards you. Can I get an amen? Can I get a louder amen? Okay, Knitters, let's close. Yeah, so why don't you just go ahead and close your eyes while I read this and just let the words of the Lord kind of pour over you. This is the verse we'd like to close and leave you with, and it's Philippians 1, 3 through 6. It says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to my God. Whenever I pray, I make my requests for all of you with joy. For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the, from the time you first heard it until now. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Amen. Amen. What a beautiful moment. And we have something from our church family to you for you to be able to take with you. You can't have it yet because we've got to do it again for the oh, second okay. service. <laughs> but it's a, it's a map of San Diego. And we put the verse on there that says Psalms 2230. Our children will also serve him. Future generations will hear of the wonders of the Lord. His righteous acts will be told to those not yet born. They will hear about everything he has done. And for, for Lauren and I in the time over this last year or so that we've been able to get to know you guys, what we understand and what we know with complete clarity is that there are generations that are different because of your seeds that have been planted. This city, this community will never be the same because of the impact that the two of you have had. And for decades, you have poured into families with love and Jesus and hope for their future. And we're honored to be a small part of your story and to continue to, to fight this good fight together as you guys start this next season of ministry and life. And we are deeply changed by what we've been able to experience with the two of you over this past year. We love you guys so much. One last time, can we give them some love?